Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. I was a pitcher, a relief pitcher, a closer with the New York Mets. I have a new book out called Inside Pitch, Mets Musing. Thank you very much. This, this is, is Len and Jeff, Jeff from Baseball and, and Barbecue. And the one place to go for New York Mets news, past week game reviews, upcoming series previews, interviews, analysis, opinion, and, and what's, what's going, going down, down on the farm. farm. It's, it's Mets Musings with Gary Mack. So keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. Mets Musings with Gary Mack. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. And hello and welcome to another edition of Mets Musings, episode three number 329. And folks, what can I say? And apparently from the outcry and the voicemails that I've gotten, I don't have to say much at all. People suggested to me that I just replay the last couple of weeks uh, podcast because it's going to be the same sort of rant. But I'm not going to do that. We're going to be fresh and clean and new every week. But what I am going to do I am going to play what you people said. What the voicemails that came in said. How the fans are feeling. Upset. Passionate. Angry. All of the emotions across the board. We've got three voicemails that I think are going to explain everything. And uh, really, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. So without further ado, let's start with our first voicemail from Jeff on Long Island. Hey, Gary. Jeff from Long Island. This past month has been, has been very hard to watch. If anything positive that can be taken from this is finally the starting pitching is pitching like the staff we expected coming out of spring training. The Gramas up there with Sheridan are the best pitchers in the National League. Matt and Wheeler are pitching much better, even though, and even Vargas is doing well the last few starts. Hopefully Syndergaard can return to form when his finger is healed. Now if the bullpen can stop giving up runs. Of course, the pitchers don't have anything to show for except maybe losses that the teams can't score. Heck, they can't even hit lately. They're averaging just a bit over four hits in the month of June. Four hits. They can't score without any offense. I know I sound like a broken record, but these guys must use the entire field. Jay Bruce and Michael Conforto are always swinging for the fences. Do these guys really think about exit velocity or launch angle or how far the ball will go when they really ought to think about putting the ball in play? Preferably where there are no fielders. And that means hitting the ball the other way against the ship. Probably easier, easier to do than it sounds, but don't, but don't they take batting practice before every game? Don't they have a batting cage in city field? Isn't there a hitting coach? Hitting against the ship will prevent teams from shifting and thus opening up the side of the field to their strength. And Ahmed Rosario, try laying it down a bunt once in a while and letting Nimmo Cabrera try to drive you in. Nimmo is the only everyday player worth watching on the team. Why aren't they feeding off his energy? You know, I remember an old saying, get him on, get him over, get him in. Mickey, try playing some small ball. 
obviously waiting for home runs while exciting is not happening. At least not until Giannis gets back. And who knows when that will be. Have you seen a more fragile player in your life? I know it's hard, but things got to get better from here. I mean, just have to, right? Take it easy. Bye. And thanks, Jeff. And, and geez, you'd think they'd have to get better from here, but who knows? And and Jonas Cespedes is uh, slowly taking over for Moises' Lou as uh, one of the uh, most fragile players ever to play in a New York Mets uniform but uh it's incredible uh, why this guy can't get on the field and if he's got a congenital hip problem then let's see if we can fix it you know uh end the season get it fixed operate and get it over with and and come back healthy next year because he's not going to help if he comes back and he's only 50 percent, he's not going to help anyway so why not just if it's something that needs to be operated on or or can we find something other than strains and pulls and this, that, and the other thing, flexors or whatever. Uh, let, let's try to find something that, that there's got to be something that's causing this and let's find it and correct it. All right. Our second voicemail comes from our good friend Trip, all the way from Kentucky and he's upset. Hello, Gary. This is Tripp in Kentucky. I hadn't talked to you in a while, so I would call in. Um, boy, what a season. It's just been a mess. Um, thank you for doing the podcast. It certainly helps to share in the misery with someone. Uh, you know, in some ways, I feel like this season has been even more frustrating than last year. They started off so strong and I don't know, it seems like the way that they were playing was exciting and they were really, I don't know, it seemed like they had a lot of good chemistry and it was sort of a just next man up type of a thing and I just, they just seemed to fall off of the face of the earth. So, I don't know, I was just wondering what you thought. Do you think this team is the team we saw in April and they're just having a really bad streak or do you feel like May and June is more what this team really is, and we sort of just got lucky in the beginning. Well, thanks again for the podcast. I I look forward to listening to them every week, and hopefully we'll have a good stretch here in Arizona. Thanks, Gary. And thanks, Trip, for uh, taking the time to call in. And whether or not this team is as bad or as as it looks right now, I think it's the old saying. It's not as good as it looked in April, but it's not as bad as it looks now. It's somewhere in the middle, but this is a bad team. It's a bad team the way it's currently constructed. Why is Jose Reyes on this team still? <laughs> you know, uh, but we've been asking this question for the last how many weeks, folks? And I don't want to beat a dead horse. But it's, it's things like that. And as far as last year, this is more annoying than last year, and I'll tell you why. Say what you will about Terry Collins, but his team always seemed to be prepared. These guys actually look lost at times. They, they don't know which base to throw to, uh, and the coaching staff looks like it has no clue at all what they're doing. I'll give you an example. The other night when... Uh, uh, Callaway got thrown out, and the cameras showed in the dugout, De Sarcina and Island, and they were, like, looking at each other like, do we take the pitcher out? Come on, where's Callaway? Callaway said, well, it doesn't matter because he was thrown out of the game. 
pitchers, uh, uh, managers have been managing after getting thrown out of the game since the beginning of baseball. You find a way. You send a, a, a clubhouse kid as a runner. You send a, a player on a bench as a runner. Maybe they could have used Reyes for that. He's not doing anything else. You find a way to get that info from the manager to the pitching coach. And But isn't that the job of the bench coach, though? Isn't he supposed to know these things? How is he going to advise a manager if he doesn't know what the heck to do himself? And what about the pitching coach? Isn't he checking the, 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 the stats and checking how many pitches were thrown? And he don't know when to take him out? He can't tell if the guy on his staff is getting tired and running out of gas? If that's the case, let's get rid of them. Clean it out. You got dead wood there. I mean, this coaching staff is making Terry Collins and Dan Wathen look like Einstein's. And I'll tell you one other thing. These guys were always ready to play for Terry Collins. They played hard. They were prepared. And, you know, Callaway comes in here in spring training and says, well, we're going to streamline the spring training uh, days. And we're going to get our work in, but we're going to streamline it so they're not here. It's hot out there in Florida, and we don't want to be out in the hot sun all day. Well, is this the result of that, that they don't know what base to throw to? They're lackadaisical in the, in the outfield and the infield? They're making stupid throws. They're not touching bases. And it's even affecting everybody else in the stadium because the other day there was a gate open in City Field during the Yankee series. And a ball actually went through the bullpen gate. Nobody saw that. Is this contagious to the whole grounds crew now? How crazy is this? And and one other point. Yes, there's a lot of injuries. But why? We changed doctors. We changed staff. We thought that was the problem, right? But take it to look take a look at the Mets minor league system. They got tons of injuries down there. There's a problem in the organization. They're not preparing these guys right. And it goes beyond Rosario swinging at everything he sees and not not having an idea what the strike zone is. That's one thing that they're not preparing them on. They're not preparing them on how to run the bases. They're not preparing them how to steal bases. They're not preparing them how to bunt. And something is lacking if all of these injuries are taking place throughout the organization not just in the major leagues, but throughout the farm system. How many guys have Tommy John surgery in their system? Anthony Kay, Thomas Zapucky, to name just a few in the last couple of years. 
And there was a couple, I, I think this year went already, pitches. And not to mention the pulled muscles, the this, the hip flexors, this, that, and the other thing. There is a problem, and they are not addressing this. Where is Sandy Alderson? He should be he should be reading the, the farm teams, the, the, the riot act. Why are we having this problem? And yet he does nothing but search the damn scrap heaps and gets us Chip Beck or Chris Beck. But I wasn't going to talk. So let me compose myself and bring on our final call, which probably sums it up better than I could have done and that's our good friend Barry from Long Island Hey Gary, it's Barry, your former partner and believe me I was not going to call in after episode 324 but with the Mets in this literally historic run of offensive futility I thought I would put my two cents in which is two cents more than this offense bullpen or anyone associated with Mets not named Jacob deGrom is worth right now where do we start and who gets blamed for what looks like a team with nothing again outside of DeGrom to make even the most optimistic fan feel good about the team? Ownership, the GM, manager, coaches, players, medical and training staff, anyone associated with player development are all culpable. And let's, while we're at it, throw in the PR department. My first call-in for 2018 said the Mets were living in an alternate universe one example being that Michael Conforto came back from his shoulder injury weeks before his expected return date, but now it sure seems like it would have been nice if he had played at least a few rehab games in the minors before being put on the major league roster. Now, anyway, we are back to where the injuries are just as plentiful despite new medical and training personnel, including Jim Cavallini, who worked for the Army for crying out loud, being hired in the offseason, and when they put a timetable on return dates, they make fools of themselves. Syndergaard's 10-day, he'll miss one start injury, most likely will now keep him out for weeks, if not months, and the same goes for Cespi, who supposedly changed his training and nutrition habits and yet still gets hurt and will be out for an extended period of time. The goodwill he accumulated for his two-month run that led the Metsies to the 2015 World Series is pretty much used up, and people are criticizing the Mets for re-signing him. In many cases, the same people who would have hung Alderson and the Wilpons in effigy had they let him sign with the Nationals, as was the rumor after the 2015 season. And poor Jay Bruce, who was clearly playing hurt but not being put on the DL because the Mets don't have the organizational depth in the system to put even a live body out there to replace him adequately. There is enough blame for everyone, so I will limit my criticism to starting with the manager who makes so many head-scratching decisions during a game it makes my head spin, and I have never, ever heard Gary, Keith, and Ron question anyone else's decision like they have Callaway's. The Wednesday game, just to pick one, with a runner on second and first base open in a scoreless game, how in the name of Chipper Jones do you not intentionally walk Freddie Freeman? And then the night before when he got tossed from the game for arguing that hit-by-pitch to Brandon Nemo that the umpire overruled, the coaching staff had no idea what pitching changes to make and when to make them, and they still have no concept of the right time to double switch, which again goes back to the bench, the bench coach coming from the American and not the National League. And with the Mets 
in this historic offensive funk, how does Pat Rossler still have his job as hitting coach? Also, I don't mean to pick on one player, but Ahmed Rosario was considered the number two prospect in all of Major League Baseball at this time last year, and you can see the raw talent in him. But how does he not have any plate discipline or not know how to bunt or steal bases? Rhetorical question, and for that I point to the player development area. Mets players come up to the big leagues and do not know any of the fundies necessary to be a successful major league player. There is absolutely no accountability in this organization. The farm system, considered in the top five only a few years ago, now ranks 29th. And let's be honest, Gary, if history is any indication, should we realistically expect any of the young position players developed by the Mets to become stars or even good players? In 57 years, I count five that came through the farm system who played most of their career with the Mets and became stars. Wright, Reyes, Strawberry, Garo Alfonso, and Cleon Jones. That's five players in 57 years, and that is unfathomable. So what is the solution? For starters, Alderson, if he really means that he accepts playing for this mess, should retire because you know Freddie and Jeffy will never fire him. And since the farm system is so barren, the only way I see the Mets being a decent team again anytime soon is to shop DeGrom to the highest bidder and deal him for a boatload of prospects, even if they come from the Yankees. Despite his Cy Young caliber pitching, the Mets are 5-9 and nine in the games he has started this year. Well, Gary, this one took a little longer than I thought, but there is so much to criticize and not nearly enough time, so as hard as it might be, let us try to keep the faith, stay optimistic, and let's go Mets. And thanks, Barry, for checking in. And uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. He uh, covered all the facts that uh, we've been talking about. And uh, so true. I would add one other player, maybe Cranepool to that, to that list of guys that have made it. But, uh, yeah, there hasn't been a lot in 57 years or whatever it is. So, um uh, you know, folks, it's just it just gets very frustrating, and I hope that you hear that in my voice and, and the voice of all the people that took the time to call in. Thanks so much to Barry and to Jeff and to Trip for taking the time to do that. And anybody can call in any time. And and uh, you know, I guess we're going to have nothing but venting and rants uh, the rest of the year, the way the year is going, unless they can turn this thing around. All right, let's take a break, and I'll be back with uh, an interview that I recorded yesterday uh, with Jacob Resnick of MetsMiners.net. It's very interesting, and we talk about pretty much the same stuff, but uh, we talk about the draft and the minor league system and uh, who who to look for. So um, stay tuned for that, and we'll be back right after this. Looking for great Cardinals talk? Then check out Conversations with C70. My name is Daniel Shoftaw, and I talk with some of the great bloggers on the Internet today about their teams. But it always goes back to the Cardinals. Find the latest episode on my website, www.cardinal70.com or at baseballpodcast.net. Did you know that Baseball PhD can be heard on BaseballTalkRadio.com? Our shows rotate with other top baseball podcasts. Now don't forget, that's BaseballTalkRadio.com. With us, we'll help you get a PhD in life through baseball. With BaseballTalkRadio.com, you'll hear the rest of the excellent universe of baseball podcasts. 
516-619-6341. That is the comment voicemail hotline if you'd like to be a part of the show and drop us a line leave us a comment or a voicemail question anything at all call that number 516-619-6341 or go to metsmusings.com and click on that widget in the middle of the screen and that's a speak pipe and you can leave a voicemail right through your computer through your computer's microphone or if you prefer to do things the old-fashioned way, send us an email at metsmusings at gmail.com. The Facebook page is facebook.com slash groups slash metsmusings. And the Twitter handle is at metsmusings1. With all the Mets news, it is the news from around the world and around the corner. Here's Gary Mack. Joining me tonight is a writer from MetsMiners.net, Jacob Resnick. I'm sure you've seen his work uh, on the Internet all over the place. Jacob, welcome to Mets Musings. Thanks a lot, Gary. Jacob, about 10 days ago, we had the uh, amateur draft, the Major League Amateur Draft, and the Mets uh, selected Jared Kelenic in the first round, the number six pick, and uh, got kudos for that. The numbers, the second round pick they picked, I think it was uh, forty-eight. Uh, not so much. Uh, what can you tell us about Jared Kalanick and uh, about Simeon? Gotta get this right. Uh, Woods Richardson. Yeah, so I think I, I, I like the Kelnick pick a lot. Um, you you kind of read about his background uh, from Wyoming uh, or from Wisconsin, kind of like Brandon Nimmo, who's from. Wyoming. Uh, both of them didn't play uh, high school baseball. Uh, Kelnick, I, it seems like that was the guy they kind of had their eye on um, from the start. Uh, there was some rumbling that they might go with a college bat, uh, namely Jonathan India mm-hmm. from Florida. But uh, but Kelnick uh, was their guy, and uh, I, I you know it's kind of um, a cop out maybe to say that their first round pick was the best best pick in the draft, but, uh, you know, he's really uh, the only guy where you look at him and you say, okay, maybe he, he has major league potential right away, um, tools, you know, all over the board. And, mm-hmm. you know, none, none of the tools are like, uh, you know, plus above average screaming at you uh, right now. Um, they're more kind of like solid all across the board, um, you know, hitting, mm-hmm. fielding. He's got a fantastic arm. Um He's going to start in the Gulf Coast League, uh, like pretty much all of the high school draft picks do, and I think you know he'll have a chance to uh, to move quickly. They're not they're not going to rush these guys. You know that's not something the Mets like to do. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, sees Columbia by the end of uh, 2019. Uh, as for Simeon was Richardson, yeah, that was kind of a surprise. I don't think anyone really uh, had him pegged. Uh, as the pick, and I don't, I don't think uh, Simeon did himself. He was uh, <laughs> at a Buffalo Wild Wings when he was selected. Um, I don't, yeah, wasn't really thinking that he was a day one pick, but uh, he's he's a project, uh, no doubt about it. Um, he's born in September 2000, so he won't be 18 until after the Gulf Coast League uh, season is over. Wow. Um, velocity has kind of been up and down. 
you know, been anywhere from high 80s to mid 90s. So, uh, you know, they're going to have to work with him and, and it'll take time, but they're kind of uh, betting on these two high school guys to pay off uh, down the road. Now, is he the guy, the guy Richardson, that could have been had at, at in the third round or even longer? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, usually the way the draft works is, is teams have uh, deals or, or you know an, an idea about who's going to sign mm-hmm. ahead of time. Um, so this feels like a a pick where they uh, you know had, had scouted him for a long time and. Uh, they felt, I guess, more comfortable with it. Um, I, I don't think that he would have been picked on day one had they uh, had they passed on. Uh, but uh, definitely, definitely uh, surprising from my point of view. Hmm. And they picked uh, five catchers. I think it was five throughout this draft. Uh, Nick Myers being the highest, but the um, one of the guys that fascinates me, and I guess it's because my wife and and daughter both went to Wagner College, so the fifteenth um, pick, Phil Capra, out of Wagner College, uh, kind of interesting to me. Do you think he's got any chance at all? Yeah, obviously tough to tell uh, right away. He yeah. um, the switch hitter. Uh, and, and a local product. Uh, he's going to start in Kingsport. So, uh, you know, not really sure kind of what the, the plan is as term, as, in terms of progression. Um, you know, he put up great numbers with Wagner, and I feel like that was the, the, uh, the way they went uh, throughout this draft is they tended to take a lot of guys who put up great numbers in college um, and maybe not necessarily guys who had uh, – you know, tools that could be uh, uh, translated to the major league level. So, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt to have more catches in the system uh, at all. Right, and this is a system that's very thin in catching now, as we've seen. Uh, so that's I, I guess they addressed that uh, quickly and uh, – um, you know, I I still think they drafted too many pitchers, but I guess you can trade them if they get hot. Yeah, I, uh, you know, they they had that run uh, on on day two, fourth and fifth, mm-hmm. seventh and eighth, and, and ninth of these college pitchers, and I guess they're hoping that they'll uh, they'll kind of move quickly through the system, but. Um, you know, like you said, you never know uh, when it comes when it comes to trades. <laughs> yeah, right. Now we know that uh, the second day they went with a lot of college kids, as you were just r- alluding to. And um, do you think we'll see any of them in Brooklyn this year, or uh, starting in Brooklyn? Because sometimes they do move those guys to to Brooklyn. Yeah. So uh, so pretty much all of the day two guys will be uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, I think the one. That I would be most excited about is uh, the ninth rounder, Bryce Montes de Oca from Missouri. Okay. Uh, he was a, a senior sign, but uh, a guy that a lot of people have had an eye on for uh, for multiple years. And, uh, you know, when he was drafted, Jim Callis of, of MLB.com said that, uh, you know, he loved this pick and thought that he could uh, be in the Bullies within a two-year span if he stays healthy. healthy. So, uh you know, you know, with the first season in Brooklyn, they don't tend to throw very often mm-hmm. or uh, at 100%. So 
likely, uh, you know, 2019, St. Lucie's a possibility for this guy. Uh, and he, he's already had Tommy John surgery, so that's, you know, that's <laughs> something you have to worry about uh, with him. So, yeah, but, but uh, Montez Mayoka, uh Tyler McGill from Arizona, Kevin Smith from Georgia, uh, Riley Gilliam from Clemson, when he signs, uh, they'll all be in Brooklyn. All right, so it sounds like a pretty good year. It's going to be in Brooklyn. We're going to have some uh, some high uh, draft picks there. Um, any dark horses in, in the, the the draft? Any that the Mets drafted? Anybody uh, you know drafted late? That the I know it's hard to predict these things, but um, yeah, for sure. Anybody that you said that you thought may have gone higher and and went later in the draft to the Mets and and uh, may have a shot. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, like I mentioned before, their strategy has really been to to save on the save money on the college players so that they can spend more on the high school players. And and one of those guys that they uh, they went over slot to sign was Saul Gonzalez from uh, from high school in Florida. I, he went in the 23rd round, and, and he was a guy who, uh, you know, probably has the the talent of a, you know, an 11th or 12th rounder. And, and the fact that they were able to get him in the 23rd is, is a pretty good sign. He uh, he's a big kid. He's six seven, uh, coming out of high school, and you know, throws mid to upper 90s. But you know, all, all of the high school players are raw. Um, you know, whether they they uh, throw hard and need control or don't have the breaking pitches yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it'll, it'll take some time to really see uh, how these guys develop. Uh, Brian Sharp was, is another guy uh, that I like. He went to the 26th round from, uh, from Missouri. They, they took, they did take a couple of guys from Missouri uh, and Sharp will be in Brooklyn to start. And uh, he, he put up a, a, a great line uh, this past season. Uh, he also uh, pitched, uh, at at Missouri, so wouldn't be surprising to see if they uh, let him go two way for a little bit. Another Brendan McKay. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to do, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it certainly is, and he he did it quite well last year for Hudson Valley, uh, pitching them into the final the championship series last year in the Penn League. So, um, yeah. it can be done, and I think they're letting him do it this year. They haven't looked recently to see what his record was but um uh-huh. and um last year's second round pick mark vientos who who they seem to be very high on uh he's gonna start the year in kingsport is that correct do you, you believe yeah he, he's gonna be in kingsport uh, i get you know some people were were maybe predicting that he'd start in brooklyn um and you know i i may have been one of those people but it's not too <laughs> shocking to uh to see that he's going to start in Kingsport. He he uh, played four games there at the end of last season after spending most of the uh, most of the season in the Gulf Coast League. But the guy is uh, you know crazy young. He's uh, won't turn nineteen yeah, until December, yeah. um, and you know there's no reason to rush him. He's got a lot of tools, and uh, you know see if he can uh, harness them in Kingsport. You know I, I didn't get the best of reports from extended spring training on him. Um, but uh, I think he's, he's a guy that he puts everything together. I think the Mets are looking at a guy who can really help the big league team maybe in, uh, you know, three or four years. Mm-hmm. 
Well, it's such a grind that extended spring training. You know, it's hot. They're playing every day. There's nobody there. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, that's a, it's a tough situation when once everybody breaks camp and they're left down there. And uh, so, you know, maybe just uh, not that he shouldn't be putting out, but, you know, maybe he just it was cruising along. He's 18, like you said. So, <laughs> you know, uh, not everything yeah. falls that way. Yeah, for sure. All right, now the the minor league system, Jacob. Um, My specialty. <laughs> everybody says it's so bad, and we see that it really hasn't been able to supply the uh, major leagues right now. But um, from all reports, there is hope on the way in uh, the lower minor leagues. There are. Uh, a lot of uh, pitching help, but not much on uh, the non-pitchers. Can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, well, I wish I had some better news for you uh, <laughs> when it comes to that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really been rough, especially in, in the upper minors. Um, when you look at Las Vegas and Binghamton, they've had to sign you know, so many minor league free agents just to fill rosters and, and eat innings and, and take at-bats for, for guys that have gotten injured. Um, so, it's, I mean, you if you look at the uh, the Las Vegas pitching stats, their best pitcher has been Matt Denbecker, who's made three appearances <laughs> on the mound for them uh, and actually has fared pretty well wow. in two and two-thirds innings, um, which is, is sad. But, uh, but, yeah, I think, you know, like you mentioned, the pitching um, – it's been good to see, uh, excuse me, guys like Justin Dunn and David Peterson, first round picks, really um, showing showing their talents this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, both receiving recent promotions and, and well deserved at that. Um, and then you look at, at guys like like the relievers who, who they acquired last year uh, in in the various trades that they made. Uh, guys like Drew Smith, who who is really knocking on the door for a major league promotion. Um, Daniel Zamora, who they got over the winter for, uh, for Josh Smoker. Uh, Ryder Ryan was, was the return in the Jay Bruce trade. And uh, he, was, he was named an all-star in St. Lucie, and they got promoted to Binghamton. So it, there's no one, you know, outside of, uh, you know, the Peter Alonzo, uh, Jeff McNeil types, there's no one who um, is, is flashy in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know you're looking for for the dark horse uh, diamond of the rough candidates, and I think you know there there are interest, interesting names uh, throughout the system. You've just kind of got to dig to find them. Well, of course, you just mentioned uh, Peter Alonzo, and of course, everybody's talking about him. Uh, everybody wants to see him up with the big club. And uh, Sandy Olson addressed it the other day, said he'll be promoted, but uh, probably not to the big club. But uh, uh, this guy's tearing it up at double A, as well as Jeff McNeil, another guy you mentioned. Um, they'll probably go to Vegas any chance. I mean, if Dom Smith struggles at all, will they consider bringing Alonzo? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation, uh, you know, if you look at it from a baseball operations standpoint, um, you know, with the whole 40-man roster deal, mm-hmm. you don't want to start the uh, the service time clock too early and uh, worry about all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
But from a performance standpoint, I mean, Alonzo, yeah, he's been fantastic, but, uh, you know, the double A to, to, to the big leagues jump is not one that uh, many players find to be an easy transition. Uh, you know, Michael Conforto, who did it in 2015, right. you know, he, he was a, a rare breed. Um, but Alonzo, you know, the, the numbers are, have been fantastic, but in, from a, a scouting perspective, I think, you know, you still want to see him be a little more selective. With the swing, a lot of the the walks that he's drawn have, have been a result of uh, pitchers pitching around him, and rather than uh, expert plate discipline. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I agree with Sandy's uh, standpoint that you know he needs to be in AAA, but uh, I don't really know if major league uh, promotion is really what's best uh, right now. And, and you know, thinking realistically, he, you know, he, he's not the type of player that's going to save the season per se. And then you look at McNeil, who's kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, he has had a bunch of injuries the last couple of years, and now he's finally healthy uh, and, and getting consistent at-bats. And, and uh, it's really been great to see. Um, and people the other day were kind of frustrated when, when Ty Kelly was uh, called up to the big league squad uh, instead of McNeil. Uh, and Kelly, I feel... You know, it's not like a, a knock on McNeil, but uh, Kelly is a very disposable uh, player. So <laughs> yes, <fine>. they uh, <laughs> were willing to to make that decision. But uh, like you said, like Sandy said, they uh, they should be in AAA. And uh, once they are, I think you'll really be able to see whether they are uh, uh, contenders or pretenders, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony K. Another interesting uh, prospect, uh, a pitcher, left-handed, was drafted, uh, I think, two years ago in the Justin Dunn class. He was the supplemental, I think, or the second round. Yeah. Um, never made it to Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> he was on the roster there for like 30 seconds. Uh, ended up getting uh, Tommy John surgery. He's back. He's healthy. Uh, last report I saw, he was pitching pretty well. Is he still pitching well? And, and is he another one to keep in mind? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's been roughed up a little bit lately. Um, but he's another guy that is, uh, too old for the South Atlantic league and really shouldn't be there. Um, because he's kind of taking advantage of those hitters. Uh, he's been racking up the strikeouts and, really been good to see coming off uh, two years of uh, inactivity. Um, you know, not not the guy that's really going to blow you away with the fastball, uh, especially after surgery, but uh, it doesn't hurt to have those uh, Long Island lefties in the system. There you go. Yes, that's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want all them fireballers. you got to have a junk guy out there once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> uh, another guy that uh, I liked personally, I saw play in Brooklyn, and that was David Thompson. Um, I know he's had some injury problems. How is he progressing? Yeah, injury problems. That that's been uh, that's been it for him. Uh, and unfortunately, this year uh, it continued. He uh, fractured his hand uh, on a hit by pitch. Uh, early in the season, so he hasn't played uh, since April 29th. That was his last game, and uh, he was kind of struggling to get at bats uh, throughout April. 
uh, I think it certainly helps that he plays third base, you know, when he comes mm-hmm. comes back and, uh, you know, may have been in line for a, a promotion pre-injury. Um, but being that uh, this is his uh, fourth year in the system, it's kind of getting to that make-or-break time. And, you know, he'll be 25 in August. So, uh, unfortunate with the injuries, but, um, you know, I, I, I like his hit tool. And his uh, his defense has improved a lot in his Brooklyn days. I remember uh, being at a lot of games where he made uh, some pretty awful, awful throws to first base. <laughs> but he's kind of cleaned that up a bit. Um, <laughs> you just reminded me of some things. Um, a guy that got cut recently, and I was really a little shocked when I heard it, was Colby uh, uh, Cody. Well, I, I always forget his last name. Woodmancy. Yeah, Colby wouldn't see. That what? was uh, that that was a surprise that they that they gave up kind of uh, so early on him. But uh, he's another guy with the injuries. He um, he only got into uh, about fifty games last season. Um, he had a a sports hernia that that needed surgery, and um, you know just really was never able to uh, to get into a groove. And then this year, he uh, before spring training even started. Uh, had a uh, hip impingement, whatever that means, and um, <laughs> needed surgery for that, and he wasn't going to play this year at all. So uh, unfortunate, unfortunate that uh, that they spent the fifth round pick on him, but uh, that's uh, that's how baseball goes sometimes. Yeah, you never can tell with the injuries. And uh, gotta ask about Desmond Lindsay. Um, saw him in Brooklyn. I have to say, I wasn't particularly impressed with him. I know he was a high school kid. He's very young. But I, I didn't see much there. I mean, he did, the strike zone was lousy. The Even the, 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 the outfield defense was not good. Um, what can you tell me about Desmond Lindsay? Yeah, I mean, he was, he was 18 when we uh, first saw him in Brooklyn, and I mean, you can you can see the tools. Uh, he had a pretty tremendous pop in the bat for for someone his age. Yes, um, and obviously very athletic in the outfield. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the results just haven't been there, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's frustrating. But at the same time, he's he kind of still got to give it some more time, given that he's he's twenty one, second round pick. Those guys usually get. Uh, a longer leash. Um, got off to a pretty bad start with St. Lucie this year. He's he's been better as of late, um, and he's another guy last year who, who suffered a lot of uh, you know dings and 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 nicks and you know missed you know three games here, five games there. Was on the DL for a while. Needed elbow surgery at the end of the season. Had a concussion at one point. Uh, as you know, he wears those. Uh, those glasses on the yeah. field, and I, I believe there was a problem with the prescription, so he wasn't oh, boy. seeing the ball particularly well. Um, so I, I have faith that he'll put it all together at some okay. point. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he spends next year in St. Lucie as well. Uh, but uh, I, I think he's, he's definitely a guy to, to still keep an eye on. Did he play in Columbia last year? I, I don't remember. Yeah. He, uh, oh, so he did. Only only got to uh, to sixty five games, 
but uh, but yeah, he was there. They may have been better off just leaving him in Columbia for another season or at least a half a season and before pushing him along, you know. Um, I don't know. The yeah. injuries seem to be prevalent not only in the majors but in the minors. Is there anything that, that maybe they're doing wrong in this organization at all? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, just just because there's a problem with the major leagues doesn't mean there there isn't a problem in the minor leagues. And right. I think I, ca- I counted at the end of, of last season, and uh, there were pushing 40 guys that ended last season on a minor league disabled list. Um, and, you know, sometimes those are used as, uh, you know, just inactive roster spots to get other guys on the roster. But uh, most of them were Tommy John surgeries, season-ending yes. injuries. Um, and, you know, some things like like Lindsay's situation last year, he suffered a concussion on a play at the plate. That's a fluke injury. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, But there seems to be a prevalence of, of Tommy John surgeries in the minor leagues, shoulder surgeries in the minor leagues. Um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Jamie Callahan yes. is still on the 40-man roster and needs shoulder surgery, and he probably won't be back uh, this season. Uh, he had been with Las Vegas and probably was in line for a promotion at some point. Hmm. But um, it seems, you know, from from my experience being uh, around Brooklyn the last couple of years, it seems like it, you know, and this may be the problem at the major leagues as well, but the communication just isn't fantastic between players and trainers and coaches and the uh, the player development guys uh, back in New York. So uh, I think, not saying a, a new regime is necessary, but uh, definitely some, some better practices uh, <laughs> should be uh, put in place, to say the least. It's just, I, you know... Uh, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating because uh, I don't think they know either. <laughs> yeah, it, it apparently. But don't you look at your system, and when you see this this much happening, that you you think that is something we're doing wrong. I mean, it, it's got to be something, you know. Uh, it's just uh, I, I'm trying to think of somebody's name. Maybe you know. You probably remember the pitching coach from two years ago. Uh, in Brooklyn, the young guy. I can't think of his Who's name. Who's that? Uh, Billy Brick. Billy Brick, yes. I, You know, I used to talk to him every once in a while, and he would say, you know, oh, yeah, Dunn's going three innings. That's what we're allowed to throw him. And this guy's going three innings. And I understand they're trying to save it, but I, I don't know. And uh, All right, so um, anybody you see uh, can help the Mets in the near future uh, quickly? Yeah, I mean that's that's the problem when you uh, when you've got a Triple A team with uh, very few prospects on mm-hmm. it. Uh, I mentioned Drew Smith earlier. He was he was the guy that they they got for Lucas Duda uh, in 2017. He's probably the next pitcher in line. Um, other than that, I mean, in terms of hitters, uh, I guess I mean I, I would assume that that Jeff McNeil is is the type of guy that that uh, will see the majors in. Uh, in 2018 at some point uh, Kevin Kazmarski uh, who skipped Brooklyn when he was drafted went straight from uh, Kingsport to Columbia uh, he's been playing pretty well he, he uh, had some injury problems at the beginning of the season but he's uh, he's healthy now 
uh, I was I was really looking forward to the season to Gavin Chikini and, and the steps that he would take, but uh, he was hit by a pitch in the foot, and he's uh, he's been out uh, for a while. Yeah, I wanted to see him get a shot at second base and see because he was playing with Rosario last year. It would have made total sense to me to bring those two up and let them play, uh, you know, up there together and and see what they could do together. But like you said, he got right. hurt, so uh, we'll know. And he he's been coming on with the bat the last couple of years, so maybe right. maybe he'll you still. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, maybe he'll still get his shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, never too late. I, you know, they 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 held back Nimmo a lot, and look what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really fantastic situation with him, and uh, it takes time, you know, whether it's the guy's uh, second, third, fourth season in in Triple A, um, you know, he he always, he always had the tools, and it was just about yeah. the opportunity, and I think that's what. You'll eventually see with Chikini, especially considering that uh, as Drew Cabrera won't be here uh, next year. Yeah, yeah. Then you gotta. Then he's got to beat out Galorme, but I think he can do that with the bat at least. Mm-hmm. All right, Jacob. Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight, and I really appreciate it. And tell the folks where they can find your work. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me, Gary. Uh, like you said before, MetsMiners.net. Uh, got a lot of articles up there. Looking forward to the uh, the short season league starting uh, <laughs> this weekend and next week. Uh, follow me on Twitter. That's at Jacob underscore Resnick, R-E-S-N-I-C-K. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to, uh, to talk miners on the, on the old Twitter.com. All right. And, and we're going to have you back on again because I enjoyed uh, talking about the minor leagues and – uh, the majors isn't too much to talk about these days. Right. <laughs> yeah, All right. Anytime. Thank you so much, and I'll be back right after this. Uh, this is Skip Lockwood, and you're listening to Mets Musing. Baseball and BBQ, your place for interesting baseball talk, opinions, and history. Baseball and BBQ, your place for barbecue recipes, tips, and interviews from the world of barbecue. If you like baseball and if you like barbecue, then tune in to Baseball and BBQ. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and BaseballTalkRadio.com, along with Mets Musings and other great baseball podcasts. And we're back, and uh, many thanks to uh, Jacob Resnick from MetsMiners.net. If you're interested in the minor leagues, Got to go check that out. And uh, don't forget, the uh, New York Penn League is starting a play tomorrow night. The Brooklyn Cyclones will take on the Staten Island Yankees in Staten Island. Uh, for game one, they'll come home to Brooklyn on Saturday to play those Staten Island Yankees. So the Penn League is going to start, and uh, at least I'll have something to watch. <laughs> All right, I got I got news here, and I, I don't even feel like reading it. It's so aggravating. But uh, l- let me see if I can do this quickly. Uh, AJ Ramos uh, shoulder could be heading for surgery. Season's over. No great loss. Mets released Adrian Gonzalez. You know that. Uh, promoted uh, Dom Smith. Let's see if Dom Smith can finally do the job. Uh, and then 
the big news is that um, the Wizard of City Field came from behind the curtain at the scrap heap and came out to talk to his adoring public. Sandy Olson met with the press on a conference call on Tuesday, and here are some highlights. <laughs> they don't know when UNS Espinus might return. Nothing new happened injury-wise. He's still experiencing soreness in his hip. The decision on whether or not to release Jose Reyes will be based on merit. Merit. He said it, folks. Merit. Is he not watching these games this year? Merit. They have nobody that can play as well or can breathe. Because Jose Reyes has been a joke. Two errors on one play. He goes into a game, two errors on one play. He forgets to step on second base for a force and then throws the ball wild. But we're going to keep him on merit because there's nobody else that can do what he does. And Wilma Flores could be returning soon from the disabled list. And Scrappy Sandy, good to his word. He went through the scrap pile again, dug real deep into the bottom of it to look for some relief pitch, and then he found one. He came up with Chris Beck from the Chicago White Sox. Beck is sporting a nifty 4.18 ERA in 23.2 innings. With the White Sox this year. He had a nifty little 6.40 ERA in 56 games for Chicago last season. And who did they get rid of to put this dandy little guy onto the roster? They cut Tim Peterson, who had a 2.07 ERA. Sometimes I think Sandy's doing this all on purpose to drive us all nuts. All right, finally, some good news. Left-handed pitcher David Peterson, the Mets' first-round pick in 2017, has been promoted to single-A St. Lucie. He's coming off a stellar outing on Saturday night. He struck out a career-high 10 batters in eight innings against Augusta. Uh, that was when he was with Columbia. He has posted a 1.82 ERA with 57 strikeouts in nine starts in Columbia this season. He has completed seven innings in all but one of his last six starts, with that one exception being a six and two-thirds inning outing on May 27th. More promotion news. First baseman Peter Alonzo and second baseman Jeff McNeil who had been crushing Eastern League pitching while with AA Binghamton, have been promoted to AAA Las Vegas. The righty hitting Alonzo 23 is viewed as one of the Mets' best prospects 
and a top 100 prospect in all of baseball. McNeil, 26, missed lots of time over the last two seasons due to an injury before breaking out in a big way this season. He was hitting 329 with 14 home runs and 43 RBI in 57 games for Binghamton while striking out just 23 times. Let's see him. Bring him up. Bring him all the way up. Let's see what he can do. All right. The Mets season are out in Arizona for a big four-game set and then go to Colorado for another four-game set. All of this exciting action after dropping two to Atlanta. Maybe they'll get four or five hits and have an ex- offensive explosion hit-wise tonight. Let's hope. Vargas goes. Mats is, well, of course, Mats is not pitching. He's got a blister. Haven't you ever heard of pickle brine? It's that damn yarn. The yarn's too thick. It was proven by a scientist. The yarn is thicker on the baseball than it was from a couple years ago, and that's why guys are getting blisters and maybe Syndergaard's getting strained ligaments in his fingers, whatever the heck is wrong he's got. It's the darn yarn. But where's Rob Manfred to say anything about that? All right, so... I think I've had my uh, venting session. I feel better. I hope you're yelling and screaming at home. I hope you feel better. And let's t- let's take a uh, another look this week and hope that we can make it. And on a serious note, last week we lost a big fan of the New York Mets, Alexander R. McCann of New Jersey passed away at the age of 89. He loved the Mets win or lose, and perhaps that should be a message for all of us. Everyone here at Mets Music send our condolences to his family and friends. And I think we'll end with that, and we'll see you all next week.